Have you seen the classic 1972 movie The Godfather, starring the likes of Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, and James Caan, and directed by Francis Ford Coppola? Well, if you haven't, be warned. It's certainly earned its R rating for extensive violence and profanity. But I admit, I like the movie, which is loaded with potent scenes. For me, though, one scene in particular rises above all the others as a particularly poignant example of duplicity between faith and life. I'll tell you more coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley and grateful that you have joined us today for another hour of on-air and online spiritual direction. Well, I suppose I should offer a small spoiler alert here, but I don't think that knowing the scene from The Godfather that I'm about to talk about would spoil the movie for those who haven't seen it. But the scene comes at the very end of the film. Michael Corleone, played by Al Pacino, is taking on the new role as patriarch in the family by agreeing to be the godfather for his sister Connie's baby. The baptismal scene shows Michael making his profession of faith on behalf of the child. As he renounces Satan and his works, the scene is interspliced with scenes of gruesome gang-style murders that were carried out at Michael's command. And no one could miss the genius interplay that shows, shouts, really, the duplicitous nature between Michael's words and his actions. Well, that scene came to mind in prepping for the show today. Now, I would certainly pray that you and I are not as disintegrated as Michael in our spiritual lives and professional lives. But still, I think there is great temptation to compartmentalize our spiritual practices and what we do to earn a living and or support our families. You may not be renouncing Satan with your lips while at the same moment committing grave sins, but where is God in your professional life, in your work? Is he notably absent? Is he a silent, awkward office mate that you only infrequently acknowledge? Or is he at the very core of all you do? even if your work seems wholly unrelated to spiritual things. Well, today on the show, we're talking about uniting our work with our faith. Leading our discussion today as our spiritual director is Father Matthew Spencer. Father Spencer is a priest of the Oblates of St. Joseph, currently serving as Provincial Superior and Shrine Director for the Oblates of St. Joseph out of Santa Cruz, California. Morning, Father. Thanks for being with us again. Patrick, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, wonderful to have you on the program. All right, so Father, um, uh, all all uh, references to the Godfather aside here, <laughs> we want to get into uniting our work and our faith, and specifically, I think maybe one of the things that uh, maybe from the outset we should talk about is work. It's not a necessary evil, but it's actually a gift to God to us. Am I right about that? Yeah, it, it sure is. You know, work is one of those those. Um, wishes that God or even commands that God gives to you and to me that even precede the fall, right? So even prior to the fall of Adam and Eve, God says to them, go and have dominion over all the earth and go and, uh, and, um, and shape the world according to God's will. So he invites them to be cooperators in building up, you know, his creation. And then of course, after the fall, 
work becomes grueling and work becomes uh, <laughs> a form of suffering and penance, right? Mm-hmm. Now, by the yeah. sweat of their brow, they're going to have to support themselves. Uh, but that wasn't the original intent. The original intent of work was not just to be a punitive measure of the Lord, but rather to be a way that we cooperate with him. And so I think part of the Christian life is recovering that sense of work as as a, a cooperation with God's will, as a building up of the kingdom. Yes, also as a form of penance. We don't always like all the different tasks that are assigned to us. Uh, but there is beauty that can be found in work and and great uh, cooperation with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be sure, and that's something that is is uh, true. And you know, suffice it to say, you and I have work that uh, that ties us directly into the work of the church, of course. But many many don't. I mean, many are uh, you know they might be stay at home moms or stay at home dads. They might be uh, out in an office or in a manufacturing plant or whatever it might be. And so that's that's true. It's true that we uh, need to see our work as a gift from God, regardless of um, how "quote unquote" spiritual it is. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. And that's a challenge, right? I mean, it's hard yeah. to be scrubbing toilets and then thinking of God at the same time, right? It's hard to be maybe working an assembly line and trying to see that this is good for for your salvation and it's good for the world. Um, but this is part of what we do as Christians as we discover the presence of God in those ordinary, simple moments of our life. Mm-hmm. And and for sure, right, the Lord is present in those simple responsibilities and duties that are assigned to us. I mean, without a doubt, God is present when we have to change diapers, when we have to wash the car, when we have to dust our, our living room because he, he invites us to to be good stewards of what he gives to us. And that requires work. It requires effort on our part. And so there's, there's a great challenge there, as you, as you rightly point out, Patrick, that it's sometimes difficult and challenging to find God in these circumstances. But I, I truly believe that this is one of the, one of the secrets of a, of, a, of a really effective and fruitful Christian life is to find God even in those, those things in which we wouldn't otherwise uh, look for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Well, and in the Catechism, paragraph 2428 I'm looking at right now, uh, it states this. It says, in work, the person exercises and fulfills in part the potential inscribed in his nature. It says the primordial value of labor stems from man himself, its author and its beneficiary. Now, and this next line is is really, I think, really salient here when we're talking about uh, uniting our faith in our work. Work is for man and not man for work. So that just too reflects that work in in general, in all its ways, and however it might be practiced, is actually a gift from God. But that I mean, that comes from that comes from our cooperating with this gift as well. This is very hard, isn't it? I mean, I, yeah. I like that. I'm glad you quoted that, Patrick. Work is for man, not man for work. Because the the temptation that we have in our life is to chase after maybe earthly things, material things. In order to do that, we have to work because we have to acquire money and, and earn, earn things to, to be able to get these possessions. Uh, and, and therefore, we often can become almost slaves to our work yeah. where that's where our energies are directed and that's where our focus lies. But that's not at all what, how God wants us to live our life. I mean, we're chasing after the wrong things, right? We, 
Uh, and I think uh, when we recognize that uh, we're not made for work, right? Work is a gift to us in a way that you and I can um, can cooperate with the Lord's will in our lives. Mm-hmm. Then it frees us. I mean, it gives us certainly um, more time, but it also gives us an awareness of the priorities in life, an awareness of of how to order my life rightly, so that work doesn't consume me and spit me out at the end of the day where I don't have anything left to give to to the rest of my vocation. So yeah, beautiful, beautiful, very important, I think, um, reference point as we're talking about work today to realize that, yeah, we're, we, uh, we should not be slaves to our work, but work should be a, a means of salvation for us. And just to just to tarry on that a bit longer, Father, I, I think one of the things that you said is really important as well, which is that yeah, we oftentimes see work, and, and rightly so, as uh, as means of getting money and providing for our families and that sort of thing. But I think oftentimes we can be pursuant after work. Specifically, you know, I work with a lot of young people. I'm sure you've seen this as well, who, you know, they have in mind that they want to get a good paying job. And when they say that, it seems like they're also saying, uh, they're actually saying, I want to be rich. And uh, with that kind of view that work is just a means to get me to this place where I can afford all of the luxuries, all the pleasures, whatever it is that I think will make me happy. So I guess my question boils down to this, Father. What would you say is the end of work? Why do we work? Uh, I would say we work in order to build up the kingdom of God, right? We work in order to to share the good news with others and we work in order to well to work out our salvation as well right i mean mm. we we work in order to be sanctified um and it, without those ends in mind i think you're right i mean it's very easy for work to become this all consuming exercise of trying to acquire and to earn and to outdo our neighbor and to to um keep chasing after things that that um ultimately won't make us happy in the end, you know? I mean, Patrick, I'm sure you've read those those studies that show, these were a few years ago now, but that uh, uh, money and resources is important for happiness up until a certain level, say a $75,000 a year salary. After that, your happiness doesn't increase, no matter, even though you might have lots more money, right? In general, like statistically, the general happiness of people over this this uh, minimum threshold of money doesn't increase. Why is that? It's because possessions will never satisfy us. <laughs> Things will never make us happy. And of course, we need some money to provide for the basic needs of our life, and that's important. But otherwise, work can become this endless chase after something that won't make us happy anyway. Yeah, so yeah. not not only that, Patrick, I mean, there's a danger that I think a lot of fathers in particular have, which is to imagine that their work, their the way that they provide for their spouse and for their children is itself um, what they're called to do. And I would say it's only, it's only one aspect of what a father is called to do. And really he's meant to give his life for, for his family. Some fathers struggle with this. They'll spend all day at work because their maybe their love language is to provide for the family, yeah, right? Right. But if they're not there and present for their family, then then they're actually shortchanging their family members. So it's a hard it's a hard balance to find, right? And it fathers is. have to do this uh, often to provide without falling into this trap of continually seeking after possessions and security. 
I'm glad you mentioned that, Father. We're talking today about uniting our work with our faith here, or uniting our faith with our work for that matter. How do you sanctify your work? Do you pray, perhaps, throughout your day? Are there other ways in which you seek to acknowledge the Lord's presence in and through you and share that presence with others at your work? Give us a call and join the conversation. 888-914-9149 is our toll-free studio line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Again, 888 914 9149. Our email address, if you'd prefer, is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, today we celebrate in the church, we celebrate St. Anthony of the desert. So this is the, the hermit, St. Anthony. And uh, he now he uh, he kind of left everything and went to be alone in the desert. And, uh, and not, not that he didn't have work that the Father was calling him to do, but um, he's kind of an example that I don't think many of us are actually called to, called to emulate um, in terms of the laity anyway. And so, um, but nonetheless, I think he can pr- probably provide a little bit of spiritual insight about there's a bit of an abandonment too um, when it comes to um, seeking to do the work that God has called us to. There's an understanding that we are we are surrendering to God's will in doing the work that God has called us to, Yeah. You know, Patrick, I, 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 it's, this is a temptation and I know it's not from God, but I am often tempted to try and become a hermit, right? To (laughs) run away from the world. It seems so much nicer to me to just leave all of this behind, (laughs) to live out in the wilderness on my own. You're saying Um, St. Anthony had it easy. (laughs) He, he had a good life. He knew how to order his life, right? Of course, my personality lends itself to that. I've I'm always happy to be alone, you know. Okay. Um, but I, I say that kind of jokingly because he didn't do that as an escape from society, and he certainly Precisely. didn't do that yeah. to run away from opportunities to sanctify himself. Saint Anthony of the Desert, one of the one of the forerunners of modern monasticism, and one of one of the first who who kind of organized, uh, you know, uh, maybe consecrated life in in a hermitage uh, in an eremitical style we say as a hermit um he he gives this example as a as prioritizing his life so he runs off to the wilderness not to run away from society but to run towards god i mean he mm-hmm. realizes that so much of his life and his possessions and the demands placed upon him have become uh, distractions or or real deterrence to his growth in holiness and his growth with the Lord. So uh, St. Anthony of the Desert will, will go off and live his life in, in uh, quite, quite radical seclusion, uh, but it's always oriented towards, towards a relationship with God. Yeah. Of course, though, when he's now on his own, he has to work probably harder than ever because now he has to forage for his own food. Now he has to take care of his own needs, such as clothing, such as heat and shelter. So he's working very hard uh, in order to provide for what you and I kind of take for granted and, and maybe what we depend upon. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I think it's interesting, Patrick, you know, in the history of the church with monasticism in particular, I think a lot of people imagine that monasticism is, is about um, relaxing, spending time in front of the, the Blessed Sacrament and spending maybe a lot of time on your knees. In other words, a, a life where your, your hands will be soft, you won't have a lot of hard work to do, where you'll get supported and get to pray a lot. But 
as any monk will tell you, it's a it's a it's a vocation that requires a lot of manual labor. It's very hard. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Merton discovered this himself when he entered the Trappist monastery. He he didn't realize how hard those guys worked. He was constantly exhausted because he mm. was um, having to do all of this manual labor. And uh, it's that's a part of monasticism, which is beautiful. Like we find this sanctification of our lives through work. And St. Anthony of the Desert, anyway, whom we celebrate today, is um, is a forerunner of that, and so certainly worked right. hard in his uh, in his service of the Lord. Ah, that's very good. We're talking about uniting our work and our faith today, and our number, if you care to join the conversation, tell us how you find God at work and how you seek to draw closer to Him in and through the work that you do. 888-914-9149 is our phone number, 888-914-9149. We've got Michael calling in from Jacksonville, Florida. Good afternoon, Michael. Thanks for calling in. Oh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call, and uh, thanks for uh, having this subject. And uh, just listening, it's uh, all inspiring, because... We do work. I was raised to do good work, and at the end of the day, you know, uh, give it up to the Lord. But uh, I was taught that by much better people than myself. But I, I spent a long time in the military. I did 31 years, and uh, with our units, uh, many, many times we'd have chaplains uh, em- embarked with us, be it a Catholic chaplain or a Protestant chaplain, but a chaplain. And we would have daily prayer, uh, and and you, just. For for every mechanic or every serviceman and woman to be able to do their job, and it is work. Uh, uh, there is a day-to-day work, be it logistics, be it mechanics, be it aircraft maintenance, engine maintenance. You have to keep the machine moving. And, mm-hmm. and, and the all hopes and prayers that we do what's right just for us and our country and our world and do God's work. But... We we would have those prayers, and we would have some hard times going where machinery broke down. We couldn't make mission, and we would ask the chaplain to come down and please pray over pray over us, pray over the engines, uh, and they would do so. And I have to tell you, it works, and mm. uh, we kept that in mind. So hard work with prayer and keeping God's mission ahead of ours always in mind was always shared by some great chaplains that I had in the, and in the service and in the Navy. So just want to share that and the importance of work and prayer and doing it for God and, and listening. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. You know, you work in prayer um, or prayer and work, as as St. Benedict would say, ora et labora yeah. is, is one of his famous phrases, right? That these two, these two actions always have to go together. We, we pray uh, and we work, and these are complementary. They don't have to be in competition with each other. And I think sometimes, Michael, we forget about that. We think, well, if I'm working, then I don't have time to pray. Or, hey, if I'm praying, then why should I go out there and get my hands dirty with a bunch of engine grease? I'm, I'm over here doing some, some of the Lord's work. <laughs> no, both of these things have to go together. And we see Jesus did this very well. Jesus prayed, uh, of course, in a, in a beautiful, dedicated, totally committed way, but he also worked very hard, right? He had to provide for himself, for his, uh, for his disciples. He grew up in the house of Nazareth and was taught that his trade by St. Joseph. Um, so Jesus himself embodies this idea of ora et labora, and St. Benedict would really, would really um, put this in as part of his rule as an essential component of the way of life that monks uh, would follow 
in his way. So thank you, Michael. Appreciate the observation. Absolutely, Michael. Thank you so much for a great testimony. And I'm Thank you for your service and your service, again, for our country, but uh, also for the Lord as we're talking about uniting our work and our faith. And that's a great example that you've given us, Michael. So uniting our work and our faith is our topic today here on The Inner Life. If you have a way in which you sanctify your work, you find God's presence at your work and share that presence maybe with those you are working with. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 888-914-9149. You know, maybe you're facing a work situation that doesn't seem to be very conducive to your faith life and you have a question about how to proceed. That's also a great reason to call 888-914-9149 or send us an email at innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. we got more of the show coming up right after this short break. We'll be right back. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. could keep jamming out to that for a while. That's very good. Taking care of business. We are uniting our work with our faith today here on The Inner Life. Hey, have you ever wondered? I, I was at Mass today, a school Mass, a Catholic school Mass today, and I was amazed at how quiet the students were all throughout the Mass. Have you ever wondered why we need to be quiet in church? Father Rocky's got the answer for you in his latest Eucharistic Encounters video. You can find that at relevantradio.com slash encounter. You can sign up to receive an email of that video every week. When a new video drops, you'll receive a, an email and you can watch the video. They're just short little stories about Jesus present to us in the Eucharist, helping you to grow your devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist. Check it out again at relevantradio.com slash encounter. And again, we are talking today about uniting our work with our faith with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer. To get in on the conversation, our number is 888-914-9149. Back to the phones we go. We've got Stephanie calling in from Illinois. Stephanie, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. I don't know how to talk to my husband about this issue because it's a dynamic that we've lived for many years. Uh, we have a nine-year-old, and now I'm pregnant, and he's primarily always working. He's depressed. He's not fulfilled and I don't know how to I guess in better balance or be supportive but not come off hurt I'm not sure if maybe you can give me some words of wisdom uh, sure Stephanie well thanks for calling in and um, I'm sorry that uh, you and your husband are experiencing this this um, difficulty what can you do well I think um, a lot a lot of us find, uh, feel that our work itself is an expression of love and is not always received that way, right? I mean, it's not always seen that way because as you're, as you're observing, well, if he's consumed by his work, then he's, he's absent in other parts of, of your life and that's painful and difficult. Um, and I think maybe talking about that and working through that as, as a very particular uh, observation that it's not a judgment of him that uh, he's a bad father or a bad husband because he's working so much. It's just that he's not, he's not, um, 
he, uh, that his way of expressing love and caring concern for you is not yet complete, is not yet whole in how he needs to do that. Uh, it sounds like you've you've tried to communicate this to him. Uh, my my um, question would be is, well, are you affirming him enough in those areas where he's trying? So that's important, right, to let him know that, well, it's not that you're resentful that he's working hard and it's not that you're resentful that, you know, he tries to provide for the family. It's that he's maybe prioritizing that over other areas where he needs to be present. Um, of course, though, Stephanie, I mean, you mentioned that there might be depression also accompanying this, which makes it very difficult for us to see things, to see reality as it is. I mean, if I'm going through a depressive period, then it's going to be hard for me to appreciate other people's perspective or to really be objective in evaluating a situation. And I think that's oftentimes where we need help. We need somebody else to come in that can be a little more objective. Uh, honestly, Stephanie, I mean, it sounds like you've been trying to work through this. And I think um, probably the next step is to find somebody that you guys can talk to together where you can you can have somebody help you arrive at a shared sense of what is love and what is care and concern and how do you express that properly to each other. And for him to realize this is important. It's important for your marriage. It's important for his own vocation to be able to do that. Stephanie, thank you so much for the call, and our prayers are with you. Yeah, I'm sure you're not alone in that, in facing that, where, where you have um, a father or perhaps even a, a mother who is out working and um, just doesn't have a lot of time for family or isn't in the right frame of mind when he or she gets home. So thank you thank you for the call, Stephanie. Really appreciate it. Let's go now to Kathy calling in from Michigan City, Indiana, right up there on the shores of Lake Michigan. Kathy, thanks for calling yeah. in. Hey, good, uh, good morning. My question uh, is this, and it stems from the comment about what if you're in a workplace that is not conducive to uh, your moral uh, enhancement. I worked for 20 years in advertising and saw some pretty awful things, um, lots of office affairs, uh, procuring escorts for clients. One time a girl barged into my office with a petition that was a uh, anti or a, a pro-abortion petition and was shocked when I wouldn't sign it. Anyway, um, it was really, it was just, it really kind of wore on your uh, resolve to live a good life. Then I became a teacher and I worked in an inner city school with a lot of other teachers or a lot of teachers who were Baptists or uh, Pentecostals and that sort of thing. And they were very different and they were, their sense of morality was, was heightened, and they would say, bless you, or have a blessed day, that sort of thing. So anyway, I often wondered, because it was a really comfortable environment uh, to be with those sorts of people, I wonder, if your, um, I wonder if your sins are gauged at all by the temptations that are put in front of you, and how, if I had stayed in that advertising environment, how might my life have been different uh, morally, I guess, than being in an environment where people did believe in God and go to church and that sort of thing. Kathy, well, <laughs> I find myself, and I, I don't want to um, scandalize anybody, but I want to share something with you because I've had the, I've had the, you know, the privilege, the blessing of both working in a corporate environment and seeing many of the things that you expressed, right? Just a lot of maybe immorality, a lot of people whose values are so different from mine. Um, and I've also had the privilege of working in the church as a priest for many years now. 
And um, <laughs> it's almost more scandalous to me how people behave in the church than they behaved in the workplace. And mm-hmm. I say that not, not as a judgment of people, but more that, well, you'd think that in the church, people would always be forgiving. And in the church, people would always be kind and compassionate. And in our parishes, people would always welcome children and families to Mass. And people would always be hospitable and all of this. And um, and we're not, unfortunately, right? I mean, there's sinners, of course, inside the church, too. And I'm saying this more for, for perspective, because I think... Um, my feeling is that wherever God puts us, there is an opportunity for us to witness and there is an opportunity for us to grow. And some, for some people, they are going to have to be in a corporate environment. And this isn't for everybody, Kathy. I mean, not everybody is going to be able to see the things that you saw and yet remain committed to the Lord. For some people, seeing those things and being pressured in those situations is going to lead them astray and they're going to fall prey to to the temptations around them. I thank God in your case that you didn't, right? And this is a great a great uh, blessing for you. It's a great blessing for the people you worked with. Um, and frankly, we need people working in the advertising industry as Catholics. We need people working to bring holiness to their life. We need people in cubicles saying, no, I'm actually not going to sign that petition because I feel that's Uh, an offense against God's plan for life. And I feel that I would rather that we support the young women who find themselves in a crisis situation rather than perpetuate the bad decisions that that might have uh, trailed them up till now. Um, It's hard and it's not for everybody, Kathy. I think it's um, not everybody has that, the, the character that can remain there because I think like you're, like you were getting at, it can affect us. It can affect our outlook, it can affect our decisions, it can affect our moral life if we're not careful. But on the other hand, I think if we are rooted in God, then even in those difficult situations, be they in the workplace or in the church, in our pews, where we also experience woundedness and human frailty, uh, then even in those situations, we can be a a shining beacon of light, of grace, and of moral rectitude to those around us. Mm. Kathy, great question. Thank you so much for uh, for bringing that up, or great point and bringing that up. And Father, it just leads me to think, maybe related to what Kathy brought up, is that there are some people who just they really dislike their job. They're you know what they're doing right now. They can't. Uh, they they dread going to work every morning um, or whenever they happen to go. Maybe they've got the the night shift, and that's part of why they dread it. But um, there's something that is just. And so, I guess my question to you is, what would you say to people in that type of situation? And maybe it's like Kathy said. You know, maybe it's it's they're just recognizing this is a very a very uh, not just secular but an unholy place. There are a lot of unholy practices going on here, or it's just that I just. Don't, I'm not doing um, anything that I enjoy when I go to work. So what would you say to those people, number one? And number two, maybe how do we know uh, when it might be time to seek out a different, uh, different work, a different way of life? Hmm. Yeah, these are, these are great, great uh, things to consider, Patrick, because h- how do we find joy in the workplace? I don't think we find joy in the workplace by simply doing something we love. I mean, when I was when I was in high school and and in the early years of college, uh, I remember a lot of people, you know, saying, "Go go do what you're passionate about and what you love, and what what you would do even without getting paid." 
Right. And, um, and I don't think that's the, necessarily the best advice because mm. that's, not, that's not what creates happiness and joy in the workplace by just doing what, what I, I find very pleasing to do. I think what brings joy in the workplace is finding meaning in what I'm doing. And I can give you a personal example here, Patrick. When I, when I joined, uh, became, became an oblate of St. Joseph and was ordained a priest, of course, I was really excited and, and happy to be serving the people of God. There are many aspects of, of the ministry that I just felt very naturally attracted to. And then there were other areas that were not so natural and that were very hard for me. I mean, for example, leadership and administration, it was not, um, it was not where I tended to gravitate to. I, I didn't want to spend a lot of time managing people or managing situations maybe. Um, but somebody has to do it, right? And eventually yeah. I was invited to participate in more administrative, more, more uh, supervisory positions. And I really realized if I just decided that, well, this isn't why I became a priest, this isn't going to make me happy, I don't want to do this, uh, then I'm missing an opportunity that God's giving me for personal growth. And so instead, I decided, well, I have to find the meaning in what I'm doing here. And so here I am now as provincial overseeing uh, about 25 priests in uh, trying to help them to live fruitful uh, ministries and lives. And I find a lot of grateful um fulfillment in being able to do that i'm not i'm not a direct maybe uh recipient of the of what they're experiencing in ministry but i'm facilitating them living more fruitful and and joy-filled lives and that gives me a lot of joy because there is meaning in there i'm helping my brothers to live uh live out their priesthood and religious life better but that was not natural patrick that took mm -hmm. some effort and so i guess going back to your question what do we do if our work is grueling or difficult or, or not giving us the joy that we want? It's true. We might have to change careers or change jobs. And that also is sometimes needs to happen. But I think before we do that, we have to explore, well, what is the, what is the meaning that I'm taking from this? And what is God teaching me in this particular you know, path I'm on right now? And is there more that I can glean from this than I have so far both in holiness, growing in holiness, as well as growing in virtue. Mm. Wow, great stuff, Father. And I think I really, just to focus in on uh, finding that meaning, what, what is the meaning that is, is coming to, to mm. me and to the world around me because of the work that I'm doing? And, and I think that's a great question to ask before we go changing our careers path. Uh, so, you know, in... Yeah, in short order. So we are grateful that Father Matthew Spencer, who is indeed Provincial Superior and Shrine Director for the Oblates of St. Joseph out of Santa Cruz, California, he's talking to us today about uniting our work with our faith. If you have ways that you sanctify your work, if you find your work fulfilling, if you found some meaning, some joy at work that is God-given, give us a call. Let us know how that is. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More of the show right after this short break. Stay with us. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Working nine to five, what a way to make a 
Coming back into the inner life with Dolly Parton. you got to love that. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich and Mike White, who are looking over the board today for us, and Thomas Engeser, who is taking your phone calls. As we're talking today about uniting our faith and our work. And just a reminder quickly that the March for Life in Washington is this Friday. And again this year, we are inviting you to fast for life and solidarity with the marchers. So take an active part in the march from your home or office by praying and fasting. This is a way of uniting your faith and your work. Yeah, do this at at your work. Pray and fast for the protection of the unborn. Some great testimonials of people who have already signed up to let us know what they're going to be doing. And some of them are international as well. Lee from Australia is going to do a traditional fast on January 19th. Joseph from Singapore will also have only one full meal and two small bites throughout the day. And Bernie from Manila in the Philippines will fast using some of the alternative ways as suggested here on the on the website where you can sign up and let us know how you're going to be fasting for life at relevantradio.com slash fast. Again, relevantradio.com slash fast. And be sure to share hashtag fast for life there on social media. Grateful that Father Matthew Spencer is with us again to talk us through uh, uniting our faith and our work. So uh, many good things that are going on in that way. Uh, let's go back to the phones now. We've got Michael calling in from San Antonio, Texas. Michael, thanks for calling in. Welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, happy Wednesday. And Father Matthew, this is Michael, originally from Northern California. Uh, I was at Mass there with you a year ago with my daughter, said hi then after Mass, and always pleased to hear you on Relevant Radio and your happy countenance. Oh, thanks, um, Michael. What a small world. Good to have you back. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, you know, I, uh, I don't know that we've talked. I'm a business a- expert. I, I work in management consulting for almost 30 years, and there's an adage uh, that's almost as favored as Aura at Labora, and that's that people don't quit companies or businesses; they they quit em- employers or managers. And I think this is a great opportunity for business owners, large and small, to think about how important it is to connect people back to the purpose, the mission of the business. Um, People are complaining, obviously, that they don't have enough good employees right now. And I think that it's an ideal way for people to kind of think about the other end of uh, being dissatisfied with work. If employers can do a better job, what what do you think about that? I think that's a very important point of reflection, especially for us as Catholics. I mean, if I'm going to supervise, manage, or employ others, then I also have to show them love and care and concern. And I might be not talking about Jesus to them because of who knows, you know, <laughs> rules in the workplace, but I should be radiating Christ's love to them, which means wanting them to reach their full potential in work, wanting them to experience joy and meaning in, in coming to work. Under, being understanding with their their own faults and and areas of growth and helping them in that, um, I think it's a beautiful kind of point of reflection, uh, Michael. That kind of rounds out our discussion of work. It's not only about me personally applying myself, but also it's about me making the workplace uh, a more conducive environment where people can can find joy, can find uh, real meaning and happiness. Mm. Michael, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, great point, and grateful that you've called in as well yeah. to the inner life. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's one of the things we want to say. We want to see that there's a, there is a, 
a greater value that we can set, especially, I mean, it seems to me, Father, that uh, that those who are in maybe upper levels of, of management and companies and that sort of thing can can help their employees by helping them to find in the meaning that is there in their work, yeah? Yeah, I mean, the, the hard part is, is that so many people are driven by the bottom line and they're driven by yeah. performance metrics and they're they're forgetting, and I'm sure like Michael was eventually would get to this in, in a longer conversation that um, we have to focus on the people more than more than just on the bottom line for the workplace. But of course, that's very hard to do when <laughs> our, our own maybe success in the workplace is going to be measured by by, you know, how much money we bring in or how much money we're saving the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, I think, about about um about bringing a new perspective to to what is this work about and what why am I here? And I'm doing this, yes, to support my family. I'm doing this, yes, to help, you know, collaborate in a company, maybe create a product that I'm proud of. But also I'm doing this in order to be a better person. And I'm doing this in order to be a saint. And if we lose perspective of that, it's very easy to fall prey to to these other kind of uh pressures in our life where we get pulled to to just succeed or pulled just to you know satisfy our our boss no matter the cost or we or we treat people under us poorly because you know it won't have any impact per se on our on our um on our uh, work environment well we know as christians it does have an effect on us and it does uh hurt our witness of of the christian life if we are not being holy and being saints in the workplace mm-hmm. yeah and as long as we're on that theme father um oftentimes people who are who are you know following the lord and seeking to share his his love and spread the good news they look at their work as as environments for evangelizing but of course I think we need to speak the truth in love, obviously, but uh, at the same time, uh, how might you advise people to um, maybe share the good news of faith uh, of Christ without being overbearing um, and uh, maybe ostracizing themselves in such a way that uh, actually sets up more barriers to Christ than it does actually facilitate um, an encounter with the Lord? Oh, lots of different areas and ways we could work on this. I mean, one one of the traps that I think a lot of us fall into is um, wanting to wanting to get to the end goal without realizing the steps along the way. So we want the person next to me in the cubicle. I want them to be at mass, right? And I want them to be practicing the faith, and I want them to. And so that's oftentimes the goal we have in mind, and we forget in our interactions with them that it, there are many steps between where they are now and that point. So instead of trying to convince them or twist their arm to come to mass, instead what I do is, or what we should do, I think, is try and show them why we go to mass and why our faith is so important to us. And the best way, Patrick, I think we do this is just by our example, by when I am compassionate in the face of injustice and when Mm. I am merciful in the face of, of persecution, when I am, uh, you know, showing those Christian values, I don't have to explain any part of the catechism. I don't have to cite any Bible verse. I don't have to be waving my rosary beads in front of my coworker. I don't have to do any of that because my my own response to a, a situation 
uh, rises above the natural human response to show how a Christian should live. And I think that's the most, in my opinion, that's the most compelling uh, way of evangelizing and the most compelling thing we can do. Of course, that takes a lot of time and that's hard to do because that means I have to put in some extra effort in yeah. holiness and in virtue. But I think that's where that's where it really begins. Amen. May it be so, as it has been said, you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. So it's uh, it's yeah, an excellent yeah, it's an excellent yeah. demonstration of that. Let's go back to the phones. Patricia calling in from Reno, Nevada. Patricia, welcome. Good morning. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'd like to ask the Father. I work in um I work with a computer in a call center, and I'm under pressure a lot with time. And I notice I, I try to kind of continually remember the presence of God and offer all my work to Him. But I find that in, when I'm focused on details, I, I end up losing for the whole day the presence of God, and I forget, I forget the presence of God because of all the pressure not to fail and the pressure attachment to success. And I just wondered if you had any suggestions with this, or maybe I'm in the wrong line of work. Well, it's a it's a good it's a good thing to ponder. And first of all, praise God that you're aware that you know because of the pressure, because of the the many different ways that you're forced to focus on details, perhaps that you you sometimes forget about the presence of God in your life and in your work. And I think that's the first step to correcting it. Right? Is just recognizing that well, I'm not always attentive in the way that I need to be to the Lord. You know. I think very concretely, one of the things we have to do is we have to make time for God. And if we just wait, especially in our workplace, if I just wait until I have like a moment to breathe or I have, you know, a break that I can take and and recall God's presence and maybe, you know, do some of my prayers or devotions, if I'm just waiting for those moments to come, then it's very likely they're not going to be there. It's very likely they're going to be crowded out by the other pressures of life, especially in your particular line of work, where maybe working at a call center or working in with computers in a you know in a call center kind of environment, there's a lot of pressure and and time sensitive uh, demands that are being placed upon you. And that's why I think we have to make time for God during our workday. We have to say, well, I'm going for lunch right now, but. Five minutes before I start to eat, I'm going to spend some time in thoughtful prayer for the Lord. And not just to bless my food, but also to review how I did this morning, to offer what I did poorly to the Lord and to his mercy, and then to invite him anew into the rest of of the day. And I think being very intentional about these, these times throughout the day becomes really important. It punctuates our workday with encounters with Jesus, which shouldn't be crowded out by the other demands that that are placed upon us. So I would just say concretely, I think the way that we we try and recognize God's presence is by really taking the time to do that, by mm-hmm. scheduling time for God in our life uh, so that he He isn't crowded out by the other other pressures and demands placed upon us. At the same time, maybe on the other side of the coin, too, Patricia's question, actually, um, to her point, I mean, being focused on work, I think we need to also emphasize, Father, that, uh, you know, maybe one of the one of the quickest ways of tainting the gospel message or seeking to be a good witness for Christ is by being a 
or producing shoddy workmanship, right? Not giving the work the focus that it is due. Again, seeing work as a gift from God. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. It's like we look at the history of our Catholic faith and uh, so much of the good things that we have as Catholics is because of how people were so good at their craft, right? People were good at art and people are good at sacred music and people honed their ability when it comes to medicine and to, to other areas that just sprouted out of our Catholic beliefs and values. And I think be, being people of, of great craft becomes important. And it also does give, give more meaning to our work that we're not doing this just to keep producing, but we're doing this to create something beautiful and to create something that, that would please the Lord with, with how we did it. Mm-hmm. Well, Father, just in uh, the couple minutes we have here before we ask for your blessing, I'm going to going to give you a softball pitch here as an oblate of St. Joseph. So you mentioned him before, but uh, what do you think St. Joseph can teach us about integrating our faith and our work? Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you asked, <laughs> you know. I think I think St. Joseph is is a perfect uh, person to look to for all of us when it comes to work. Of course, he's the patron saint of workers. We celebrate that that patronage of his on May 1st. I think what we learn from St. Joseph is that work has to be at the service of the gospel. Work has to be put at the service of Jesus. And when we look at St. Joseph, we we recognize that he didn't leave a great cathedral for us to admire. He didn't leave a great uh, carving of, of wood or great structure with his carpentry skills for us to, to be pleased with. Uh, and we don't know exactly the things that he created with his hands. But what we do know is that everything he did in that area helped him to care for the child Jesus and helped to serve the child Jesus. And I hope that that's always the focus of our work as well, not just the end result of the particular labor that we're involved in, uh, but more importantly, how is this serving the Lord and how is this serving the mission of Jesus in the world today? And sometimes it takes a rather rather long route to find that. If I'm in, say, financial administration, it might take a few steps of, of connecting those dots to right. caring for the gospel. But certainly, we can always put our, our gifts at the service of the gospel. That way. Oh, very good. Fascinating, uplifting, and inspiring conversation. Father, thank you so much for being our spiritual director today. May we have a blessing from you before we go. Heavenly Father, look upon all of our listeners with great affection, sanctify our work, and help us always use it to build up your kingdom. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So grateful that Father Matthew Spencer has been our spiritual director today in talking about uniting our faith and our work. If you'd like to re-listen to any part of the program, or maybe the whole thing, or share it with others, go over to relevantradio.com slash innerlife, where you can find all of our past shows. Coming up tomorrow on the programming, Processing Hardship with Father Bobby Blood. Up next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Until next time, grace and peace.